Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. So, Romans 8, verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruit of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. James Stockdale was a vice admiral in the U.S. Navy during the Vietnam War. He was captured and spent seven brutal years as a prisoner of war, often experiencing terrible treatment. Many years later, the author Jim Collins asked Stockdale how he survived the ordeal. Stockdale answered, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end. When Collins asked who didn't survive, Stockdale replied, Oh, that's easy. The optimists. They were the ones who said, We're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come and Christmas would go. Then they'd say, We're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and Easter would go, and then Thanksgiving, and then it would be Christmas again. And they died of a broken heart. Hope is a powerful thing. It can be wonderful. It can give us strength to keep going through even the toughest of times. Hope can make us, but hope can also break us. During this lockdown, we've been hoping for some good news, a a government press conference that tells us that we can go on holiday, or we can see friends again, or we can go out for a meal. But as the weeks go by, and as the deadlines keep getting pushed back further and further, it's hard to live with the disappointment. It would be easy, I think, for the adrenaline rush of the early weeks of lockdown to gradually settle into a kind of despair. Hope can make us, but but hope can also break us. And so, can I ask, whether we've been a Christian for many years or we're just dipping in for the first time, where are we setting our hope? Our reading from Romans 8 is all about hope. It's, It's the good kind of hope The hope that will make us, and Paul wants us to have this hope. But first, we we need to see a hope that will break us. Last week, we saw that the, the whole world is groaning, but not just the world out there. Paul continues in verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly. Paul is talking about Christians. 
Christians don't get a vaccine which makes us immune to the sufferings of a groaning world. And this is one reason why we we mustn't buy into teaching that promises us prosperity in this life now. And yet in my own heart, I, I find myself slipping into a functional prosperity gospel in my everyday life. I wake up in the morning and assume that I'll be healthy. I assume that the car will start, that the online shop delivery will be uh, full of food that I actually ordered, that the internet will work, that the dog won't get sick, that my work efforts will be fruitful and rewarding, that people will like me and respect me. Perhaps particularly for young people, if we've experienced a relatively safe and happy life so far, it's easy to assume that will just continue. And of course, it's perfectly right to long for daily blessings, and so often our loving Heavenly Father does give them to us. But in verse 23, Paul both assures us that God is with the Christian by his Spirit, but also that we will groan. And so here then is a hope that will break us. A hope that rests on a life without groaning. Many of us start out in life with with all kinds of dreams. The dream grades, the dream job, the dream house, the dream relationships, the dream children, the dream friends that never let us down, the dream health, the dream holiday, the dream experiences. But at some point, we'll discover the dream never really quite happens. Verse 23 tells us why. We too will groan. And when our dreams let us down, for some people, life just goes gray. Oh, we, we carry on, but, but quietly, undramatically, we, we slip into despair. We sigh over what might have been. Others respond by redoubling our efforts to to recapture the dream. I am pushing 40, the time of the midlife crisis. If you see me driving around Sheffield on a motorbike or training for a triathlon, you'll know what's happened. But that's what people do. Seizing life to keep the dream alive. But whether we sigh or whether we seize... Both responses make the same mistake. The mistake of thinking hope is to be found in a perfect life now. But it's a false hope that will break us. Paul wants to tell us about a better hope, a glorious hope, the kind of hope that will make us. Look at how verse 23 continues. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Paul is talking about that moment in the future when Jesus returns. He is eagerly leaning forward to it. But even as Paul writes, I wonder as some of us are thinking, what if I don't share Paul's eagerness for this future? I came across a cartoon recently that showed a man with angel wings sitting on a cloud, and the caption read, 
I wish I'd brought a magazine. When I was a kid, I remember someone telling me that heaven would be a bit like a church service, but only longer. And look, as a kid, I enjoyed church as much as any other kid, but an hour and a quarter was plenty long enough. The thought of spending zillions of years in a church service made me panic. And so with this view of eternity, it's no wonder we might struggle to lean forward eagerly. But look at how Paul describes it. Verse 23, it will be the moment of our adoption. Whenever a person puts their trust in Jesus, they they are adopted into God's family straight away. But if I can put it this way, it is one thing to have the adoption papers signed and all the legalities sorted out. It is quite another thing to step out of the car at your new home and to be hugged for the first time by the family of your dreams. God's spirit in us now is the first fruits, a foretaste of that day when we come home and we will see the Lord face to face. I don't know if we will hug. I expect we'll be too busy bowing down in worship. But I do know this. The Lord will wipe away every tear from our eyes. The groaning will be over. It's been painful over these last few weeks to see how racism is still alive and well in our world. We would do well to humbly examine our own hearts and we must speak out about the evil of racism But what a day it will be when Christ returns. Sons and daughters from every background, every race, every culture will come streaming into God's presence, equally loved, equally valued, with equal access. What a day that will be. And so Paul is eager about his adoption. But there's more, for on that day, our bodies will be redeemed as well. For the younger ones amongst us, we may not be that bothered about getting new bodies. The the present ones are working perfectly well, thank you very much. But one day, and it's amazing how quickly that day will come around, we'll begin to experience what the rest of us know. Our bodies wear out. They break. They ache. The things we used to do easily, we can no longer do. And although many people spend hours and hours trying to hide it, the truth is all our bodies are slowly dying. But one day our bodies will be redeemed. Our future is physical. Groaning will give way to glory. And there will be joy and laughter and fellowship and satisfying work and sights and sounds and smells and adventures and discoveries. It will be the very best of this life, but even better. And the wretched battle with sin will be over. No more temptations. No more failures. No more guilt. And so no wonder Paul says, verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Christians are to be people who lean forward eagerly 
to what is to come. Please know that when Paul talks about hope, he's not talking about wishful thinking. We might say, I I hope we can go on a summer holiday this year. That is wishful thinking. But when Paul talks about hope, he means a a rock-solid certainty about the future. We know Jesus has already passed through death into resurrection life. And like a thread tied to a needle, wherever Jesus has gone, we too will follow. But not yet. Verse 24 continues. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently, says Paul. This hope is certain, but not yet seen. And so we wait patiently. I read this week that a study has shown that if a website takes 250 milliseconds longer to load than other websites, it gets less traffic. We like things to be quick, but, but so often God feels slow to us. God promised Abraham a son, and it took 25 years before Isaac was born. God promised Israel a home in the, new, in the promised land, and yet they spent 400 years as slaves in Egypt. And God's promises of, of adoption and of redeemed bodies, we would love them to be true now, but we have to wait and trust in God's timing. We need to wait patiently. Jesus is a great example of patience. When he came to earth, he took on flesh. He shared in our groaning. More than that, he died on the cross in our place. And only then did he enter into glory. And it's so helpful to know that he understands it is hard to wait patiently in a groaning world. Hope is a powerful thing. And so here is God's offer to us today. Will we lean forward and set our hope on his new creation? If we do, it is a hope that will make us. I'm struck by the story of Henry Martin, who lived back in the 1800s. At the age of 24, he left behind a a promising career to be a missionary in India. In his journal, he describes the day he set sail from England, leaving behind all he'd ever known, friends and family and comforts. He was distraught as the ship set sail. He was tempted to find the very next ship heading back to England and to jump on it. But he didn't. What kept him going? Well, in his journal, he wrote this. I found joy unspeakable in thinking of my future rest and of the boundless love and joy I should ever taste in Christ's beloved presence. As Martin filled his thoughts with the future, that's what kept him going. For the next six years, he proclaimed Christ in India until at the age of 30, his great hope of being with Christ became a reality. What about us? How can we keep leaning forward with this eager hope? One way 
is by groaning. Not in a self-centered or moaning way, but groaning in a way that acknowledges that this life is often very hard. Our battle with sin, disease, and disappointments. This world is not heaven on earth. And groaning is, is one way for us to remember that there is something far better coming. Or we might spend some time thinking about what we found most disappointing about living in lockdown. There are lots of good things we cannot do now, and it's perfectly normal to miss them. But are there things we miss too much? Perhaps things of this world that we've been building our hopes on. We might want to pray and ask the Spirit who is in us to help us to see where this might be happening in our hearts. And finally, what are we doing with our minds? Imagine a busy restaurant. Waiters are are bringing tasty food out to hungry customers. Our minds are like the waiters and our souls are like the customers. Whatever our minds bring out, our souls feast on. The more our minds feed our souls on a diet of hopes based on this present world, the more our souls hunger for this present world. But the more our minds think about the return of Christ, the more our souls will hunger for that day. If we want our souls to long for the future, we need our minds to think about this future. Hope is a powerful thing. To hope in the wrong thing will break us. But to hope in the right thing, to hope in God's future, to lean forward with eager expectation, that is a hope that will make us, that will sustain us through even the hardest of times. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that one day Jesus will return. We thank you it will be a day of adoption, of redemption. Father, please help us to lean forward towards that glorious day with an eager hope. Amen.